Hey friend, I'm Robin May and a few of the professional hats that I wear includes being a transformational speaker, a life coach, and a licensed therapist. And personally, well, I'm a wife, a mommy to three girls, and a pastor's wife, just to name a few. Girl, I'm over here doing all the things while trying to stay in shape and keep my skin clear. But the truth is, I don't want to be known for being busy. I think that's a scheme that somebody set up. No, I want to be known for living a life that is in perfect alignment with what God intended. And I want to help you do the same. So it's with that in mind, I'd like to welcome you right here to Intentional Conversations with Robin May and friends. Over here, we're creating a safe space to have real conversations with real women on real topics. This is a judgment-free zone where we can be vulnerable and honest and curious about our lives so that we can elevate not just what we do, but who we are. So if any of that resonates with you, again, welcome to our safe space. This is Intentional Conversations with Robin May and friends. Hey, sis, one more thing before we get started. Listen, a few years ago, I started asking women to define what happiness means to them. And when I tell you, I was shocked how hard it was for women to put into words their happiness. And the truth is, I could relate to it, girl. Life can sometimes get so crazy that it's hard to be clear on what happiness looks like and feels like to you. And so with that in mind, I created the absolutely free five-day Define Your Happy Challenge. I am on a mission to help 1,000 women define their happy. So if you're ready to get clear about what makes you happy, head on over to defineyourhappy.com. Okay, that's it for real now, y'all. Let's get started with this week's episode. Hey, girls, life coach and licensed therapist, Robin May. Listen, if this is your first time here, I am super excited that you are with me and I hope you keep coming back. If this is your second, fourth, maybe fifth time being with me on the podcast, I am humbled that you keep returning. I don't take it for granted. Now, girl, I'm going to get you to episode five. But first, I wanted to make sure we were on one accord because this conversation is actually part two of a two-part conversation I had with my girl, Dr. Tori. In episode so forth, she started dropping gems as soon as she opened her mouth. Now, remember, our podcast is based on topics and themes that we're going to spend a few weeks on before we move on to the next topic or theme. Well, our very first topic or theme is on moms, martyrs, and mental health. And so we are diving into this conversation, but it's not just for mothers. It is for all women. So during episode four, we talked about what it means to defend your dysfunction. Honey, we can all relate to that. We also talked about the danger of finding your soul identity in your children. Girl, if you ain't got children, you want to be careful of not finding your soul identity in your man or in your job. And then we talked about what does it mean to have mommy issues? We defined what mommy issues are. And we even talked about the symptoms that come up with mommy issues. Well, girl, as we get into episode five, we're going to talk about what impact your self-talk has on your children and even what your self-talk, the impact it has on you. We're going to talk about attachment styles. All of us have an attachment style, girl, and you need to know yours. And then we're going to talk about how anxiety shows up in your life and how it shows up in your home. Now, 
keep in mind that just about every episode, I try to share resources to help you continue to elevate not just what you do, but who you are. If you want to access the resources that I mentioned in this podcast or this episode and future and past episodes, just go to robinmayonline.com slash podcast robinmayonline.com slash podcast. As you scroll down the page, you will see the place where all of our resources are. Now, finally, girl, you're about to get to episode five, but finally, one more thing. I want this to be an interactive conversation. So if you have questions for me about any previous episode, or if you even have suggestions for future episodes, can you go ahead and share that with me as well? You can go to robinmayonline.com slash podcast. And you can always connect with me on Instagram, Robin May online. Okay, girl, that's it. I promise. Tori is about to drop some more gems. Let's head on into that conversation. Because I often ask my clients, um, Tori, when I hear them being very critical of themselves, I ask them, where does that come from? Where's that voice? Whose voice? Is that your voice? Is that your mother's voice? Like who's? Yeah, I and do that. Yes. Often their mother's, their mother's voice. voice. Yeah. Absolutely. And you know, so there's a book by uh, Robert Holden called Lovability. And Mm. in the book, there is a a chapter specifically for how we speak to our body. Mm. And it talks about women and how women are we are modeled from our mothers watching them in the mirror. Oh, look at my hips. Oh Oh, my God, my hair is so such and so. Oh, look at my skin. Oh, I'm starting to show wrinkles like we sit back yes. and they model to us, yes. right? Yes. And then we decipher, was that good? Was that bad? Was that warming? Was that rejecting light? Mm-hmm. And then we move in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, so I want to get into this conversation. So I want you to think about those characteristics that I gave and think about if any of those are showing up for you. And I want, Tori, you to start talking to us a little about attachment Mm -hmm. and attachment theory. We'll stay high level on it because, again, remember, I told you this conversation is not just for moms. This is about even your relationship with your mom. And when I was reading these symptoms, it made me think about attachment theory and the realities of attachment but right before i get into that i love what you just said about lovability and i want y'all to look for that book i love what you said about that um because you also said earlier that your children have taught you so much about you Mm -hmm. and i know that i often can learn so much from my girls about how i show up by how they respond to me Mm -hmm. so for example Let's say they come in and they have an outfit on. Their first thing will be, mommy, I already know you don't like this. So there's something that that I have been communicating, some pattern that I've been presenting. Mm -hmm. And I could do the old school mama thing. I could do that and be like, get over it, go change clothes. I could do that. Right. Or I could pay attention to what I'm hearing. And there's something that I don't want them to I don't want them to think that I'm always going to have something to say to say about their mm-hmm. choice. Mm-hmm. And so I want you to hear that if you are a mama, you can do the old school thing. And I'm an old school mama at heart, but I'm also an old school mama who's evolved. Yes. I like that. You know, because yeah. that's an old school. Yeah. Um, there's some traditions, traditions and some things that are just so foundational. Yes. Like there's some things that I have learned from my relationship with my mother and my grandmother that I just feel like that's a staple. That's something, that's a building, that's a brick, that's a foundational brick yes. that needs to be in the mother code, right? That's, girl, 
that's the foundational brick that needs to be in the mother code. That yeah. needs to be something. You know, I'm always thinking <laughs> that's something to it. But yeah, I feel like there's certain things to just pass down generationally that just transcend time. It gives you an understanding. Like, I'm gonna get off a little bit, but like Tina Turner passed. Yes. And that ripped my heart. Yes. But there was a there was a couple of posts that I saw and she was speaking and she was so poised and so elegant. And I think those are tools that we have learned from our ancestors that sometimes don't get communicated in Absolutely. parenting now. Absolutely. Like you can be whoever you want to be, but learn how to, to take a room, to, to have presence. Yes, I so love that's, that. So that's a, that's a thing for me. That may not be for, but that's a thing for me. Like when you walk in a room, I want to leave a room where people go, that was a lady. Yeah, it was something about, or it was something about her. Yes. Or even like my daughters were here when Tori first got here. And if they had overheard me calling you Tori and they said, Tori, if they had called you Tori, it, you would have had to call CPS. I'm just joking. Anybody. <laughs> I'm just, anybody listening, I'm just joking. <laughs> but what I mean by that is that's just the standard of respect yes. that I wouldn't want my, 14-year-old daughter calling an adult woman Tori. Right. She better say Miss or Aunt. Yeah. Put an right. Aunt in front of it right. or put a Miss Tori. Okay. Right. So there's a certain standard, but I also, I could, where I was going with that is I can do the old school mama thing and I can, or I can continue to evolve and create the space for them to evolve. Okay. So we're talking about mommy issues and I gave some symptoms. And as I was giving those symptoms, it made me think about the idea of attachment theory. And I want you to kind of talk about what your understanding of it is and how that ties in to our relationship with our moms. And this is actually something I use a lot in mm -hmm. therapy with my clients, particularly my couples, because we don't understand why we will behave certain way based from attachment. So attachment research talks about how you bonded or did not bond with your primary caregiver, which is usually your mother. Mm -hmm. So you have three attachment styles, secure, anxious, and avoidant. The secure attachment can be in the presence of a parent, can be in the absence. Mm -hmm. And there is a calmness, a stillness, a confidence inside of self because they have created an identity and an understanding of I am loved, I am sufficient, and I am also apart from my parent. I yes. don't have to be connected to them to find homeostasis or to find peace. Yes. Then you have the anxious attachment style, which is a child that the moment that they feel alone, the moment that they realize that the parent has left the room or is not connected to them, they become anxious and frantic. And to be quite frank, a little ticked off, like mm -hmm. you left me. Mm -hmm. There's a sense of emotional neglect going on with that child. So the child is always trying to basically uh, regulate their emotions yes. on where's my mother? Mm -hmm. Can I be calm if my mother is present? And if my mother is happy or my mother isn't happy, that is going to impact that child. That child is going to digest that. Then you have the avoidant child who has no emotional connection at all to the mother from the standpoint of being regulated. And what I mean by mm. regulated is I can calm myself. I can soothe myself. I'm okay with self. That person or that child is best on its own when the mother is gone. Mm. And that usually happens because the mother is gone a lot. Mm. So that child has adapted and learned 
oh, you're not going to be here for me? I got to figure for, it out myself. I got to figure it out myself. I got to do this for myself. Yes. Oh, Tori, girl. And so, so y'all, many of you can connect to this if you are a mom or if you've observed, um, when, been around when a mother first has a child, mm -hmm. the doctors want to very quickly put the child on yes. the mother's, is skin to skin, on Contact, the mother's chest, yeah. skin to skin. That's kind of this mm -hmm. idea. Now, hear me. As we're talking about this, there are mothers who are thinking, well, I done messed up because I didn't do any of that. Mm -hmm. And we're going to come back around to that because remember, our conversations are never about judgment. Right. This is a judgment-free zone. But you heard what Tori and I said at the beginning. You cannot change what you don't acknowledge. Yeah. If you go back to the trailer of this podcast, the very first, it's not even the first episode, it's just the trailer giving you a heartbeat of what to expect. I said, I want us to be able to have real conversations with real women on real topics. I want to create an environment, a safe space where we can tell each other the truth so that we can grow and evolve. So this is what we're trying to do to help us right. understand why we're showing up the way we're showing up, why we're responding the way we're showing, we're responding. Cause I got to pull something up for y'all in just a minute. And so that, attachment theory and that attachment I attachment idea i have clients take attachment assessments all the time so that they can understand right. what their attachment style is yeah. and so it's not solely the mother let me say that we're not putting all the pressure on the mother it's just that's our conversation now it is your environment yes. as a whole that impacts your attachment and What's, what I have found, Tori, is, and I'm going down a rabbit hole here, but what I have found, even in my own life, my attachment style can change mm -hmm. based on the safety that I feel mm -hmm. in a relationship. Mm -hmm. So with, It's adaptable. It's, there we go. It's it adaptable. is adaptable. Explain yeah. that. So as you grow and as you experience things, I'll be very, tra I'll be very transparent. I am an anxious attachment style. Okay. I have had one of those relationships in which I needed more emotional connection and my mother and my father, I would say, I mean, my father is a little bit more empathetic, but my mother was a very hard nose. This is life. Deal with it. Get up, dust your butt off, keep moving, mm -hmm. which I needed mm -hmm. later on in life. But as I became more secure with myself as a person, as I started realizing I can make decisions and even if I make bad decisions, I can fix that. Mm -hmm. I have adapted and become more secure. And so I think as we evolve as people and we start to have more ownership of ourselves, mm -hmm. we can adjust and adapt our attachment Absolutely. style. You don't have to remain an avoidant or an, an anxious attachment. You just got to learn more and more about yourself so that you can have bandwidth to grow. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why we want you to understand why you're showing up. And this is what we do. We defend our dysfunction yes. and we normalize our toxicity. Mm. We will say things like, this is how I've always been. This is who I'll always be. This is just what I do. And hear me, we're therapists. Baby, if that's working for you, rock mm. on. <laughs> but you came to me because it's not working. So here it is. Do you understand? Yes. And so I tell clients all the time, listen, even if I can clearly see it, if you are telling me that, this that, that is working for you, then what I'm going to ask you is, all right, well, let me know what you're here. What we're here for. <laughs> so the truth is, you know, it's really not working, but you may just be afraid of the change of the change. Okay. Yeah. 
This is so good. All right. So I want to go to something super special that I just found out about. This conversation is so good. But before I do that, I want to take a little bit of a turn about this. So we've talked a lot about these mommy issues and how it shows up and how we find our identity, how it's so easy for us to find our identity in our children. And I kind of want to go there a little bit because I believe this is, there is this unfair pressure that I believe women put on not only themselves, but on one another. And I kind of want to unpack that because I have an unpopular opinion about that, but I'm going to give you an example. So Mm. when my daughters were a little bit younger, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, I have a 16-year-old, a 14-year-old, and a nine-year-old. And when my older two were much younger, my husband was in politics, as you know, Mm -hmm. and he was the CEO in our area. The mayor is considered, is called the CEO of our county. He was the CEO, the mayor of our county. And there would be times he would have the girls out and about with him. Maybe I'm out of town and I can tell you the number of times I would go on social media to self-protect. I would go on social media and I would just, cause you know, I tend to have a self-deprecating humor. So I would go on social media like, now you see my girls out and about, just know I'm out of town because I knew they would probably look in a mess. (laughs) I knew they were probably looking a mess. Their hair probably wasn't done because I'm out of town. And I knew, Ain't nobody going to judge him. What they going to say if they see them? Why Robin got them kids? Why Robin yes. got them kids out there? Yeah. Why, where they mama at? And so I know, and quite frankly, I'm going to go ahead and be trained. I probably have said that about somebody's kids. Like, <laughs> I probably have been like, hey, now her mama, no. Now, you know, one of the things we say all the time, now her mama hair looking good. Oh. Her mama hair is why she flat. Got, why she got that baby? Why she let that baby hair look yes. like? So there is this pressure Mm -hmm. that we put on one another and this is my unpopular opinion and i if you don't agree with me i'm okay i want us to talk about it i believe a lot of the pressure we are putting on our children is because we're living vicariously through them Mm -hmm. that we're fine in some ways of course we want them to soar and win i want my children to excel but several things can be true at the same time i can genuinely want it for them but i think in some ways we are seeing ourselves through them or if they do great then that means i'm the bomb mother yep if they don't do so it's great ego stroke it, it's the ego I'm check to say. it's the ego check and the ego stroke okay go there that's what i'm trying to talk out so here's the thing and i i i have a i have a very radical thought on it too from mm-hmm. the standpoint and this is how i was able to give my mother grace mm. to understand her hypercriticalness at times. Mm-hmm. I was raised by a baby boomer. The baby boomers were the first, especially in Atlanta and during civil rights, to have affirmative action and to get out there and get it. Mm-hmm. So that need to assimilate, that need to be included mm-hmm. was not just about our intellect and our education, our credentials. It's our parents. Mm -hmm. I remember growing up and my mother boiled my socks on the stove for church on Sunday. I remember having three pairs of shoes, school shoes, play shoes, church shoes, and she better not come home and catch me outside in school shoes. 
And God forbid if I went in there and put on church shoes Girl. and went outside. That's an automatic beat down. Okay. So so we we and, and the hair being pressed for church and all the mm -hmm. things that we went through so that we could look like we belonged, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That has transcended from baby boomer to generation X to now on down. And I think, you know, when they always talk about a black woman in her hair or what we go through, that need to be picturesque and perfect comes from a place of, I wanna belong, I wanna be able to have the life that I see other people have, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I agree, mm -hmm. I totally agree that that mm -hmm. need to, and if I, can have my children look better than me or if my yes. children can be on this level then i've done my job yes. i'm a great mother yeah my identity is synced into that absolutely yes. and and i have sacrificed i have paid the price i have invested yes and so I'm, again this is no judgment but i think we have to be very intentional about disconnecting our identity because they're from our image, from our image. Yes. and and this is the other visual i like if you're watching this on youtube you'll get to see this visual if you're watching this on listening to this go look over at youtube this is kind of what i do for my clients so say this is the child and this is in any area but just say this is the child the child is not only dealing with themselves the child is carrying the weight yes. oh, of God. your ex so they can't just soar and they have to carry the weight of your dreams and your expectations and what you're requiring of them. So they don't even have a free opportunity yes. to fully become themselves. Now yes. hear me, my girlfriend, Janice, hey girl, she calls it boomerang. Hey Janice. I'm saying this now, when my kids are 20, boomerang me. Remind me that I said this <laughs> because it's so hard, but I think it's an important conversation because we are projecting onto our children. And so then we're putting this unfair pressure on ourselves yes. and on them because they're gonna make their own yes. decisions. Yes, they are. And you know, my daughters have really reflected back to me how harsh my words are to myself. Wow. Like they have told me, mom, you in this body thing, like you just really gotta let go. You gotta, da, da, da. and I'm like, because I'm hearing my mother's voice. Yes. You can never be too thin. Yes. You can never be too tall. Absolutely. Like, so I'm carrying, like you said, her generational yes. curses. Yes. And her then my stuff. and then my children, thank God, are in this generation that's all about acceptance. Mm -hmm. And they're hearing from their friends and their role models. No, it is okay just to be who you are. You are uniquely and wonderfully made. You're not supposed to look like this. You weren't even made to look like that. You were made to look like this. Yes, those that those European standards weren't for you. <laughs> and, so, and, and, so, and so they they own it. And then Generation X is sitting here because what we were told, get out there, rub elbows, mm -hmm. assimilate, affirmative action. There's no reason. The path is open for you now. And so we've been conditioned to look through this lens of, I've got to do life this way. There's so many ways to do life. So, so good. And you know what's interesting the other day? So my mother is, is and was such an amazing mom. You know, my sister and I say that 
when other mothers would say things, I'm not your little friend. I'm sure my mother oh, God, said yes. that too. I'm sure my mom said, I'm not that your little friend. But we really do consider her our friend. And she didn't play. Like she was, she did not play. It was mm-hmm. no disrespect. It was right. no talking back. One of the things my sister and I say is that my father allowed us to voice our opinion, mm. talk things out. Your Carolyn did not play that. It was, <laughs> you talking back? You you got something to say? So you know what that taught, hey mama, don't be mad. But you know what that taught us? Be quiet. Yeah. And one of the things I have intentionally tried to do differently with my daughter, and so I found, let me continue that thought, I found in adulthood, when it was time for me to speak up, when it was time for me to have a voice, if it was an authority figure, I didn't. And the authority figure could have been a boss. Yes. But I needed to be speaking up to the boss. Right. I needed to be asking for my pay. I needed whatever right. it was. Right. But I would coward with authority. From the modeling. From the modeling. And I did not practice articulating what I really, not do it way more than my sister did it because we're eight years apart. So what happens? Watch this, y'all. Some of y'all are going to really relate to this. So as my daughters are coming up, I'm trying to model something different. So I'm giving them a voice. But you know when their grandmama is around, she's like, what? What are you doing? What, what is happening in this house? Mm-hmm. She will say, everybody in this house is out of control. She can say that to you. And it's a thin line because I'm still an old school mama. So there's a part of me that's feeling like, yes, uh, Reagan, you're wilding out. But the other part, I've been teaching you and allowing you to do, to do this. it. Right. And so this is part of what right. I mean about us discovering and taking off the pressure and giving ourselves the chance to to figure it out mm-hmm. okay okay so as we wrap we have been talking girl girl almost 50 minutes wow I am, i'm loving it i'm loving it as you know this is two parts so by now you're watching this is the second part of our conversation but as we begin to wrap my girl tori has something so exciting she has developed her own therapy cards i'm going to pull them out just so you can see them and i'm going to have the link so that you can really check them out but she's developed her own therapy cards and tell them about who created the design so um my daughter my mm-hmm. my youngest jordan uh jordan hood is a graphic designer and we have been working together pretty consistently since i started a social media presence Mm-hmm. And I told her I wanted to do these cards and she was like, okay, let's do it. Let's do it. And so we did the first deck. The first card deck is on anxiety and depression. It's called mind. The name of the cards are mindfully me. Mm-hmm. And this particular one is on moods. Mm-hmm. And she did all of the beautiful artistry on the cards. And I'm super, super proud of her. Y'all, they are so amazing. I'm trying to pull this up right now because we are about to discuss four of the cards as we wrap because it's so in line with our conversation. They can find these cards where, Tori? At drtori.org. So D-R-T-O-R-R-E.org. So um, as a therapist, we are constantly asked for referrals for therapists. People are always like, you have a referral for a therapist? And Dr. Tori is at the top of my list. She's I at keep the top it, of mine. I keep it in my phone, girl, and I just copy and paste <laughs> it to people. Um, but Dr. Tori is on that list. And so I'm so excited about these cards. As I'm looking through them, y'all, they are so, so good. And so I want us to use, answer four of these questions or discuss four of these sure. as we continue to talk about motherhood, martyrs, and mental health particularly on the mental health piece. And remember, even if you're not a mom, this part right here, I hope this whole conversation has really been eye-opening for you. But listen to this. Tori is a specialist when it comes to anxiety. 
Um, and in this deck of cards, one of the things I've learned so much from you is about holistic options mm -hmm. and um, supplements. Mm -hmm. I've learned so much from you about that. But it says this. Oh, girl, this is just listen, I can hardly get it out <laughs> because when my middle baby was here right before you left, I read this out loud to her and she was like, uh-huh, I can relate. <laughs> Anxious parents tend to magnify negative situations. Yes. Talk to me about this. And I can relate to that professionally and personally. I, I struggle with anxiety. I am, an, I am an anxious attachment style and I have anxiety. Now, everybody has anxiety, mm -hmm. but anxiety can become dysfunctional. So normal anxiety is, oh, I gotta get stuff done. I need to hurry, I need to hurry. When it becomes that you ruminate and you can only think of what you didn't do or what's wrong or what could go wrong, now we might be leading to, with other physiological signs, anxiety disorder or GAD, general anxiety mm -hmm. disorder. I find that when I was a single mom, after I divorced my first husband, I was always in a rush. Mm -hmm. I was always like, come on, come on, come on. Because I'm a single mom trying to do everything in one in one 24 hour day. But what I was doing was constantly pushing my kids to think we didn't have enough time mm. or we didn't have enough money mm -hmm. or we didn't have what other people had resource wise. Mm -hmm. So they always felt like we were either in lack mm. or we were behind the eight ball. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. And that causes more anxiety. So you start your day, you get up, you have breakfast. And if you are always, if you're starting the morning frantic, you're passing that energy to your children, right? Ooh. So your children are now looking through a lens of, oh my God, and the basic cognitive belief with anxiety is I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. That no matter what I do, either it's not good enough, it's not fast enough, it's not pretty enough, it's not enough, right? So when you start looking at children that suffer with anxiety, nine times out of 10, it's an anxious parent or a hypocritical parent. Why? Okay, you have them here. These two, let's combine them. Anxiety often begins in childhood, but this is the part you just talked about. Anxiety is environmental. An anxious household creates anxious children. children. Mm -hmm. Talk about that a little bit, which is what you were just saying. And there are many disorders that come from this. So when you start talking about OCD, when you start talking about ADD, ADHD, those are natural coping mechanisms to over anxious situations. This is what mm. I mean. So most people who have ADD or ADHD mm -hmm. have a compulsive parent. They mm. have OCD. So that parent that says, your room's not tidy enough. I told you to make sure that the, the, the comforter was aligned uh, this yes, way and, yes. and that the light was turned off. And that child is like, and they're stirring. I'm not saying, and I'm not suggesting that you don't have order in your house. Yes. But what I am suggesting is with the order, do you have an understanding of love and an understanding mm -hmm. of acceptance with your child so that they understand I'm not a bad person yes. or I'm not an unruly person because I did not do this perfectly. Right. And that even, even for women, oh my God, Tori, this is so good. I know we have to wrap, but this is so good because even for women, this need and this demand that we put on ourselves of perfection, yes. which then we project onto our children, children and our children feel the need to be perfect um, is a part of that anxiety. Yes. And all of this is rooted also in us wanting to control as much, as much of our environment as we can. You have one of the cards says this. These are just so gorgeous. And the fact 
that our conversation is on motherhood, uh, martyrs, and mental health. And her baby helped her design these. It's just too perfect. Mm. But you have here, women are twice as likely to develop anxiety. And I think that is so societal. Mm -hmm. You know, we are, when you think about it as a girl, you can't sit a certain way. You got to cross your legs. You can't wear a dress and do this. You can't climb trees and wear, you know, there are certain don't things. Don't be too assertive. Don't, don't be, yes, don't be too assertive. Don't be too vocal. Mm -hmm. Don't be argumentative. Like you were talking about, you know, maybe if your mother nagged and your father, you heard that, then you're yeah. like, oh, that's something bad. So yeah. women are always processing, how can I be the best version or perfection? And it's not even obtainable. It's not real. It's not real. It's not real. And so, girl, this conversation, I knew we were going to, I knew, I knew we were going to keep going. I want to say this, though, because we have talked about a lot. We've talked about a lot. And one of the things that people are often saying to me, okay, Robin, great. I get it. Now what? What do I do? So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions and we can kind of flesh it out and we'll wrap up. When we talk about motherhood, martyrs, and mental health, the idea, if you haven't listened to the, any of the other episodes, the concept of martyr, I left, um, I spent a lot of time with that during episode one. But again, the idea of losing all of who you are in motherhood, that will perpetuate some of what we've been talking about, finding your identity solely in your children. We opened up this conversation with Tori talking about motherhood has been the best journey for her. Motherhood has been a beautiful journey for you and for me. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that if we're not careful, we'll put all of our eggs in that basket and that's not fair to our children. Yes. But to the person who says, okay, now what? My children are 10 and 12 or they're teenagers and I'm recognizing some of this. What can I do differently? What would you say? The first thing is to have a conversation with your children and a very simple conversation asking them how do they feel about what's going on in the house and listen. Active listening is so important. We a lot of times want to answer the questions for our children rather than allowing them to tell us how they feel and mm -hmm. then we can, you know, um, troubleshoot or resolve or even apologize. Like sometimes we got to sit down and say, you know what? I had no idea I was making you feel that way. Yes. I don't know why I did that. Or I do know this comes from this conditioning and I don't want to do that anymore. We don't have to do that in our house, but we got to have conversation without conversation. We cannot move forward. And parents are usually very afraid to admit when they are wrong, but part of change is identifying what's not working and we are the head. So if we're the head, we got to take some ownership. Woo, baby, that right there is game changer. Okay, so then what about the person who says, yeah, y'all, y'all are down my alley. I can recognize how my mother showed up. It's having a direct impact on how I showed up. But I'm 45. I'm 55. I'm too old to be trying to change that. I know we need to get them on in therapy. Is that the answer? What do they need to do to get some help? If they truly want to change and want to seek some help, yeah, I would look into therapy, but I will also look into what's the most obtainable thing I can start to shift right now. Mm -hmm. Don't try to make it so big. Maybe it's, you know, I'm too critical. Maybe you start a game with your children or with yourself to notice how mm -hmm. often am I thinking about mm -hmm. critical thoughts? Yes. How hard am I on myself? Let mm -hmm. me fix my relationship with me first yes. so that it will turn and flow down to how my relationship with others. Absolutely. You know, one of the things I tell people all the time is that as as scary as it is and as daunting as it is, we really do have choice. Yes. We have choice and we can decide to continue that internal dialogue 
or we can decide to start doing something different. Right. We can continue this this behavior or we can slowly start doing something right. different. And you may want to, even if you don't have a therapist, you may want to just ask your friends. Yes. Ask one of your closest friends, ask your spouse, listen, when you hear, oh my gosh, ask your spouse, when you hear me saying this, ask your friend, when you when you hear me saying this, correct me, redirect me. If you still have young children or even if you have teenagers, you have 20 year olds, even older children, bring them in on it. You know what? I'm really trying. This is something that I see myself doing. I'm really trying to change this. Model the behavior and you'll see yes. what the impact will be. Yes. Well, y'all, I hope this conversation has helped you. Tori, thank you for being here I with me. It. Love you. I love you, girl. I'm going to have to bring her back because you know we are continuing the conversation. Real women having real conversations on real topics. If this helped you. Can you tell somebody to tune into the podcast? Can you comment? Can you DM me on Instagram and let me know that this conversation really did help you? And until our next episode, I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Intentional Conversations with Robin May and friends. Listen, these conversations are to help you live intentionally, fully engaged, to help you elevate not just what you do, but who you are. And listen, I am committed to being in the trenches with you. If you haven't already, make sure you head on over to youcanlivelife.com slash academy. Yes, girl, the academy doors are open. This is where you get to dive into further conversations on our podcast topics. We get to dive into the trenches of the life course, the course that I have created to help you create the life that you long for. And we get to have monthly office hours where you can ask me any questions you have about all of this. Girl, Life Academy is where we can do life together. So head on over to youcanlivelife.com slash academy.